On today's show, we're going to talk about six crucial conversations that your service techs have to have if they want to maximize productivity. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Now, before we get into today's comment, I want to throw something out for all of you folks out there who are not EGIA members. If you're enjoying the content that this show provides, I'm going to encourage you to check out the full courses by joining the platform for 30 days free of charge. Click the Join button at the top right of the screen, then select the Plus Membership. We'll give you access to the full courses so you can start to take your business to the next level. Let's face it, business is slowing down at this time of year. The question is, are you going to make it? Are you going to survive? Are you going to thrive? Well, let me tell you this. If you want to thrive, you got to make sure that your service technicians are not leaving money on every kitchen table in every house they go into. Think about this. Suppose you have a thousand maintenance customers that you're going to run calls on this fall. And imagine if your service technicians knew how to increase the average ticket on every one of those by $100. That would be $100,000 in additional revenue over the fall. And guess what? No additional marketing expense. No additional overhead. It all goes to the bottom line. So how do you make sure you capitalize on these opportunities? Well, it's very easy to blame the service tech, but the reality is the service techs simply don't have the training. They don't know how to have the conversation. I want to help you teach them exactly what to say. You know, in every sales opportunity, every opportunity to generate money, there are crucial conversations. And as a service technician, I've identified six crucial conversations that are absolutely critical if we're going to maximize revenue and maximize productivity. I want you to watch this training and pay special attention to precisely the words that you have to say to get the most results. And I want to make sure you got your service techs watching it too, because this training can be a game changer. You know, when you think about a service call in particular, you got 90 minutes, two hours that you're going to be with your homeowner. A lot of that time, of course, is spent with the technical part of your job, whether it's diagnosing the problem, doing the repair, or maybe doing a maintenance, whatever you're doing, you're going to be with that homeowner for a couple of hours. The real success of that call, however, is going to come down to just a few minutes of conversations, what I call crucial conversations. One of my favorite books, it talks about in all the conversations you have with customers, there are some crucial conversations, usually just a few minutes long, that are going to make the difference between how successful you are or how successful you are not. So today what I wanted to do is to talk about some of the crucial conversations that we should be having as service technicians. Whether you're a selling technician or whether you're a, a technician uh, that refers your tech turnover leads, whether you're a maintenance technician, the bottom line is there are some crucial conversations that you got to have with your homeowner. And if you don't have these conversations, they will impact your success at the end. In other words, if you forget to have these conversations, they're going to create a lot of problems for you at the end. Over the last several months, I've been doing a lot of work with service technicians and been doing a lot of ride-alongs. And as I've been on these ride-alongs and you know, going through these, uh, these calls and making these observations, I've seen some of the very best in the country. And frankly, I've seen some guys that have struggled. And the guys that are struggling are struggling because they're forgetting to have very important conversations. So what I want to do today is talk about six of these crucial conversations. The first one is to qualify time. It's crucially important, critically important, to let the homeowner know how long you expect to be there. And then you got to plan your service call so that you leave yourself time at the end to have the crucial conversation about accessories, uh, perhaps repair versus replace conversation, whatever it is. If you get 90 minutes, for example, let's say you assume the call is going to take you 90 minutes on a maintenance call. 
And you're going to make some recommendations to your homeowner at the end of that 90 minutes, whether it's maybe talk to somebody about a new system, maybe it's a recommendation for an indoor air quality product or some new ductwork or attic insulation, whatever it is. You don't want to put yourself in a situation to where you've been there, you know, 85 of the 90 minutes, and then you're trying to have a rush conversation with your homeowner about these recommendations. By the way, one of the crucial conversations I'm going to be talking to you about here in just a few minutes is how to make those recommendations. But before you can make the recommendations, you have to make sure you have time to have that conversation to make those recommendations. So you always want to leave yourself at least 15 or 20 minutes so that you can have a relaxed you know, conversation with your homeowner about your findings and about your recommendations. You don't want to be in a situation where you just don't have that time. I was on a call very recently with a, uh, just a first-class stellar technician, and uh, he got the time commitment from the homeowner, but then the service call, the maintenance call, took a little bit longer than he expected, and the homeowners had to leave for dinner at 6 p.m. And so at about five minutes to six, he got finished up. There was a, a huge opportunity for new attic insulation and ductwork, but because the homeowners were dressed and ready to head out the door, he didn't have time to have that conversation. It was a very rushed conversation. And of course, at that point, they said, well, we got to go. Just send us some information. And the opportunity was lost. So always qualify your time. Make sure you have enough time. And then make sure that you leave yourself enough time to have that crucial conversation. Now, I want to share with you just a very simple script that I've written. Uh, we'll have it here on the screen for you. And I want to make sure that you practice this sentence. Practice this question. Make sure you have enough time. When I qualify time with my homeowner uh, and I get the initial qualification, I like to always come back and just double check. Uh, for example, let's say it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon and you're starting your call. Qualify your time this way. Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, the service today is going to take about 90 minutes, depending on how many questions you have. Uh, is that going to be okay? And if they say, yeah, that's what the dispatcher said, 90 minutes. Come back and qualify that they don't have to be somewhere right at 3.30. Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, so there's nowhere that you need to be at exactly 3.30. What that's going to do is to really nail down the time commitment. Because they might be thinking, well, it's 2 o'clock now, i got to pick my kid up at 3.30, so I have the 90 minutes. However, when you get down to the 75, 80-minute area, and they've got to rush out the door to pick, pick up their kids, you're not going to have time to have that crucial conversation to go over your findings and to make your recommendations. At the end of the day, that's a huge part of your job, right? You have to go over your findings, summarize your findings, whatever you found out about that homeowner, their home, uh, indoor air quality, et cetera. And then you got to have those, the, the time to make those recommendations. So always qualify your time. If you don't, it's going to bite you in the end because you're going to have some huge opportunities uh, for maybe a new system or attic insulation, whatever the accessory is, whatever the additional you know, product or service is. But if you don't have time to have that conversation, you're pretty much toast. Crucial conversation number two. Explain how detailed and thorough you're going to be uh, and why it takes the amount of time that it does. Here's why that's so important. Most of your competition are going to go in and do a tune-up or do their call very, very quickly. On a maintenance call, for example, uh, I just had a guy come out to my house, and he did a service on my furnace and air conditioner and my boiler system downstairs, and he wasn't in the house more than 45 minutes. Now, the reality is that's the expectation of many homeowners. They think it's going to be a very quick call, very quick service, whatever. The truth is, if you want to be thorough about this process, it's going to take some time. If you really are going to take the time to investigate all the problems in the homeowner, do an attic installation, uh, in, uh, inspection, uh, look at the system, you know, do a thorough job on the maintenance, remove the blower motor, and you know, do everything that you need to do to really you know, demonstrate the value to your homeowner, it's going to take you longer. And because it takes you longer, sometimes 
your homeowner can actually get frustrated. And here's the irony. You're actually performing a very needed, important service for them. But if they don't understand why it's taking so long, they're just going to see that as a frustration, as an aggravation. So you got to be sure and explain why it takes the amount of time that it does. This will put yourself uh, in a situation with your homeowner that they knew ahead of time it was going to take some time. Uh, the call I mentioned to you earlier, uh, the technician did a great job, but the homeowners, I could tell, were getting very impatient. In fact, at one point, I heard them upstairs talking about how long is this going to take, how long is this going to take, right? And what he was doing was a very thorough job. He was performing a very necessary, vital service to these homeowners. He was being extremely thorough in his diagnosis and his maintenance and doing everything he was doing, and yet they saw it as a frustration, as an inconvenience. Why? Because he didn't explain beforehand why it was going to take so long. So here's another example of a very simple, crucial conversation that you should have with your homeowner. Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, our service is extremely detailed and thorough. When we perform a maintenance or a service, it's like removing the engine of your car and inspecting and cleaning every component. Now, it takes a little bit longer to do it this way, but I'm sure that's the service you expect, right? Now they're going to say, yeah, of course I ex expect good service, right? Now, the responsibility for how long it takes to be thorough is shared between you and your homeowner because they're telling you, yeah, I want that kind of service. I want you to be thorough. And they understand why it takes so long. This is really, really important because, again, a huge part of the value that you bring to your homeowners is the thoroughness, uh, the, the professionalism of your job. And you can't just hurry through those things. You've got to take your time. But although it's an important service and you're taking your time to do it properly, uh, if you don't explain to your homeowner why it's important, they're just going to get frustrated. They're going to think it's taking you too long. Well, the other guy was in and out of here in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? We don't do that kind of you know, shoddy service. So make sure after you qualify your time, uh, you double qualify your time, make sure your homeowner understands why it's going to take you the full 90 minutes or two hours or whatever time uh, commitment you have from them. Number three, crucial conversation number three, get homeowner's permission to bring up additional problems and issues. This is a critical part of success on your call. You have to get the homeowner's permission to bring up these other issues. Uh, I was on a service call recently and as the technician was going through, uh, he noticed, uh, he was checking the, uh, uh, just the, uh, the, the serviceability of the secondary motor control. And I'm not a big technical guy, but basically it was out of the parameters where it needed to be. And he took it to the homeowner, and the homeowner was in their office doing some work, and he tried to explain it, and immediately the homeowner got defensive. Like, no, 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 just, just put it back together, just do your maintenance, right? He acted like he was inconvenienced or like somehow the... Uh, the technician was being pushy or something by bringing this problem to his attention. Again, the, the technician is performing a vital service. The reality is the secondary motor control was out of its tolerances, right? It, it was about 15 years old. It should have been replaced. But the homeowner looked at it as somehow being uh, an inconvenience, a frustration, whatever, that the technician was bringing this to attention, if, to his attention. If the technician had got the homeowner's permission to bring any additional problems to the homeowner, he could have said, Mr. Homeowner, earlier you said if I found any additional problems to let you know. Well, here's what I found. Now you're doing what the homeowner asks you to do. You're not imposing on them. You're doing what they ask you to do. Again, you're sharing the responsibility. But if you don't ask that question up front, if you don't get that permission, the homeowner will see it just as an inconvenience. So here's a, uh, an example of a very simple, crucial conversation you can have with your homeowner. Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, as I evaluate your home uh, comfort system, sometimes I find other issues regarding safety, efficiency, and indoor air quality. If I discover any of these issues, should I bring these to your attention, 
or just keep that information to myself? When you ask that question at the initial uh, introduction to your homeowner, they're going to say, well, no, if you find something else, bring it to my attention. The reality is when you bring it to their attention, now you can say, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, earlier you said to let you know if I found anything else. Well, here's what I found, right? Now you're simply performing the service that they've asked you to perform rather than being seen as an imposition or an inconvenience or a frustration, right? So important to have these crucial conversations. So, so those are the first three. Number one, confirm your time. Let your homeowner, this is right off the bat, right? You're making your initial introductions. Confirm your time, then double check your time. Number two, explain to your homeowner how thorough and detailed you're going to be in the service or maintenance and that it's going to take a little bit of time, perhaps more time than they're used to with other, you know, service companies. And number three, get permission from your homeowner to, to present other options, to, to bring other problems to their attention. That way they can't get mad at you for doing simply what they've asked you to do. So those are the first three of the six crucial conversations. Number four, one of the most important conversations you're ever going to have with your homeowner is the repair or replace uh, conversation, right? Now, when you're looking at a repair or replace uh, opportunity, your company will set the parameters in terms of age of equipment and the cost of the repair, those types of things that, uh, uh, that you should consider before you make a, a replacement uh, recommendation. So whatever that is to your company, that's fine. But once you discover and you find yourself working on a system where it's appropriate recommendation, you gotta make sure and have that conversation uh, because that's such a huge part of your responsibility. The truth is we don't wanna be doing expensive repairs on old equipment. If the equipment's older, the repair is expensive. In many cases, your homeowner is better off just replacing that old system. But here's what happens. Oftentimes, service technicians don't want to be the bearer of bad news, right? Because think about this. When your homeowner woke up this morning and the air conditioner or the furnace wasn't working, what was the last thing they were thinking about doing, right? Exactly, replacing it. It's the last thing they were thinking about. They didn't wake up and saying, oh, honey, the air conditioner's not working today. Uh, probably we're gonna need to spend 10 grand to buy a new one. That's not what they were thinking. They were, you know, honey, the air conditioner's not working call the service technician out, it's probably gonna cost a few hundred bucks. That's what they're thinking. Then you get there and the repair is, let's say 300, 500, 700 bucks, whatever it is, and you know it's a 20 year old system or 15 year old system that maybe they'd be better suited just to go ahead and replace that. What happens in some of those cases, because the service technician does not wanna be the bearer of bad news, instead, what do we do? We go ahead and do the repair, even though we know it's not in the homeowner's best interest. We simply don't want to be the person who brings the bad news because we don't want to be perceived as pushy or taking advantage of their situation, right? People are very, very sensitive to that, right? We know that. So we got to be very cool about how we approach that situation. So one of the things that I've learned to do is that when you find yourself in this situation, give yourself a long time horizon or give your homeowner a long time horizon before they even think about replacing. I'll, I'll show you what I mean. So let's say you discovered that uh, it's a good opportunity for a replacement. You have a conversation like this. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, I'm sure you didn't wake up this morning uh, planning to replace your home comfort system. And they're going to say, well, no, I didn't. Then you say, well, but do you think you might replace it, let's say, over the course of the next five years? When you give someone a five-year time horizon, they're going to say, sure, in five years, you probably will. They know it's 15 years old, and they don't feel any pressure because you're talking about something five years down the road. The reality is when you take the pressure off like that, in most cases, they'll say, sure, in the next five years, we're going to do something like that. Then you say this. Well, let's take a look at what uh, that system is going to cost you to keep it five more years. Then you just add up the cost of today's repair, 500 bucks. Uh, add up the cost of uh, future repairs, which could be another 500 bucks. Add up the cost of uh, utility over overpayment. Let's say their current utility bill is 
3,000 bucks a year and you can save them 10%, right? That's 300 bucks a year. Over five years, that's 1,500. And then of course, inflation, which could add a few hundred. So if you add up to 1,500, the, the today's repair, future repair, there's 2,500. And let's say to the 300 bucks on inflation, right? The reality is $2,800 is what they're going to put in that old system. Once you get that number, simply say this. So Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, it looks like you're gonna spend $2,800 over the next five years on this old system. And of course, you're still gonna have the old system. So let me ask you this. Do you consider yourself, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, to be an open-minded person? They're gonna say, of course, right? 90% of people consider themselves to be open-minded. How open-minded would you be to getting some expert information on replacing this old system rather than putting that $2,800 into the old system, right? What's the worst that could happen if they say, nope, I'm not interested, then you do today's repair. But if they do say, well, how much is a new one? That's interest, right? At that point, you refer that to your lead coordinator and you turn that lead over for a sales call. If you're a selling tech, you just go right into your sales presentation right then. The bottom line is you have absolutely nothing to lose simply by asking, right? By having the crucial conversation. Do not overlook a repair and repla a replacement opportunity because you think you're gonna annoy the homeowner. Ask them if they'll replace it in the next five years, give them a five-year time horizon, and I promise you, they're gonna feel zero pressure and they're probably gonna say, sure, in the next five years we might do something like that. Then you simply add up the cost of keeping the old system and ask them if it makes sense, if they're open-minded, to getting some expert information on replacing that old system, right? Very simple process. It's going to make you way more productive and way more effective out in the field, okay? So that's the fourth crucial conversation. Crucial conversation number five. Summarize, recommend, and close. Summarize your findings, recommend your solutions, and ask for the order, right? At the end of the day, once you've had the crucial conversations up front, you're in a very good situation now to bring up any, uh, any additional problems you found because remember, you got their permission up front to bring those, attention, those things to their attention. Uh, if you've had a repair versus replace opportunity, they've told you they're open to information about a new system. Now you're in a perfect situation to kind of go over your findings, you know, summarize your findings, make your recommendations, and ask for the order. Whether the order is simply to turn that over for a lead or asking for the order is uh, an accessory, indoor air quality product, something like that. Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, earlier you said to let you know if I found any other issues uh, and there's some good news and there's some bad news. Then the good news is give them something good about their system, right? Tell them something good about their system before you tell them the problems with their system. Uh, whether uh, it, something's in great shape and doesn't need a repair, make a point out of that. The good news is, Mr. Homeowner, you know, your furnace is in great condition. On the other hand, there's some not so good news. So give them, you know, a little bit of good news first. We've all heard that old expression from Mary Poppins, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down, right? Well, you're gonna give them some bad medicine about problems with their system. Give them a spoonful of sugar first. Tell them something good about their system, something they don't have to worry about, right? It'll give them some peace of mind and it enhances your credibility. Uh, the not so good news is Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner and then explain your findings in detail. Explain to them what you have found wrong. So you give them something good and then you give them a harsh dose of reality of the problems with their system or the problems with their attic insulation, the problems with their ductwork, the problems with airflow or the problems with indoor air quality. You outline the problems after you gave them uh, something positive. Now, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, that once you go through those problems, you've outlined all the problems, you simply say this, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, do you consider yourself to be open-minded? And they'll say, well, of course I do, right? How open-minded would you be to getting some expert information about new ductwork, a new attic insulation, or indoor air quality, right? Now, if you're the expert, then you just go right into your presentation 
on that information. If it's something you would turn over to somebody else in your company, then you just set that appointment up. But you're getting their agreement, right, that they're open-minded to getting expert information, just like you would have done the repair versus replace, right? Even if you don't have repair versus replace, you always have the opportunity for accessories and those types of things. Ask them how open-minded. And then always use the word because, right? The word because is very, very powerful. We are hardwired in our brain uh, because our parents always told us, you know, clean your room because I said so, right? Or, or wash the car because you're not going to the movie if you don't. We're very conditioned to respond when people say because. So here's what you do. Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, based on everything I've learned here today about your home, your family, and your home comfort system, I'm going to recommend A, B, C, and D because A, B, C, and D needs to be replaced, right? Just give them a reason why you're making your recommendations. When people hear that word because, they feel obligated to take action because you're giving them a reason. It's very, very uh, effective. Once they say, you know, I guess we might be open to that. Will you trust me with these recommendations? You simply ask for the order. Now, think about this. When you're making your recommendations, it's really important to make sure that you give them the ultimate recommendations first, which might include three or four different recommendations. That's really important because you want your first ask to be kind of a big number. Why? Well, because you want them to compare that big number to the smaller number that it may end up being, right? So you may recommend four or five solutions, and they may say no to two or three of them, but they may say yes to two of them, right? And what happens is that when you give them the bigger solution first, they feel relief when it's a smaller solution at the end. I want you to take a quick look at this video that really illustrates uh, the need to start high and finish low. You know, I've always thought one of the most important things in sales was to, you know, have multiple options to offer your clients, but then to always start with the most expensive option and work your way down. I was reading a book recently uh, by Robert Cialdini, and he was talking about the Williams Sonoma Company, basically a kitchen and craftware uh, kind of store. And they had this, this bread maker that was in the stores, and they couldn't sell it. And then one day, by happenstance, one of the products people brought in another bread maker that was considerably more expensive all of a sudden they couldn't keep the cheaper ones on the shelf because people began to see the lower price one as a better decision, as a better choice. It reminds me uh, about five years ago, I got, I got a call from a client and they wanted this sales training program developed for 2,000 of their dealerships across the country. And the budget for the program was about a half a million dollars. They asked me to put a proposal together, which I did, and I sent the proposal to them the next week. My original proposal was for $10 million, right? They just about had a heart attack. So they had me come down to their headquarters, and I go down there three or four trips, and eventually I closed the deal for $2 million, right? And it was so interesting because the night after we signed the agreement, went to dinner with uh, the head honchos, he says, you know, Weldon, you know what we were all thinking when we finally got you down to two million? I mean, in his mind, he got me down to two million from 10 million, when in reality, I had gotten them from 500,000 up to two million, you know what I'm saying? And so he says, you know what we were all thinking when we got you down to two million? I said, what's that, John? He said, whew, at least it wasn't 10 million. You see, the reality is you have to keep things in perspective for your customers, but always show that high-end option. Always show the most expensive option first. In some cases, you'll sell the highest-end option. Good for you. But in every case, you will put your other products, your other price lines, in a different comparative spot with your customer. The end result, you're going to have a higher average ticket. So you see, there's you know, good research, important research, behind why it's so important to make the recommendations of a more expensive solution before you make the recommendations for a less expensive solution. When you do that, your homeowner in many cases will be relieved when you get to the smaller number that, hey, you know, at least it wasn't as much as the big number. You always want them comparing your number 
to a bigger number, not to a smaller number, not to zero. You want to give them a big number first, so they're making kind of that, uh, that contrast, that comparison, and they feel less uh, intimidated by the smaller number. Really important to do it that way. Okay, crucial conversation number six, and this is one of the most important conversations. Have the right conversation with yourself and let your light shine, right? It's important that you're having the right conversations with yourself to put yourself in the right frame of mind to put yourself in the right place, to be confident, to have high expectations. If you've been through my prosperity mindset training, you know how important the right mindset, the right expectations, the right level of confidence, you know how important those things are to your success. So have the right conversations with yourself and let your light shine. Listen, you are awesome and amazing, so be awesome and amazing, right? And tell yourself every single day. I want you to write these three things down. Number one, I am awesome and amazing. I run every call with passion and purpose. Right? I am awesome and amazing. I run every call with passion and purpose. Number two, I diagnose problems and recommend solutions like a boss. I diagnose problems and recommend solutions like a boss. And number three, I earn and ask for the trust on every single call. I earn and ask for the trust every single time. Those three affirmations are so critical to your success. I want you to write those down on a sheet of paper. Stick them on a uh, a little sticky notepad on your windshield where you can see it every morning. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Every single morning, tell yourself those three things. I am awesome and amazing. I run every call with passion and purpose. Right? Tell yourself that every single day. I diagnose problems and recommend solutions like a boss. Tell yourself that every day. I earn and ask for the trust every single time. Visualize yourself doing those things. What will happen is over time, that conversation with yourself, that crucial conversation with yourself, will literally rewire your brain. New uh, neural connectors will form. And that becomes the expectation you have for yourself. You start visualizing yourself having these conversations with the homeowner, and then you'll find yourself doing it in real life. And when you start having those conversations, qualifying time, making sure your homeowner understands why it's important uh, uh, for you to be thorough, making sure that your, your homeowner understands that if you find new problems, it's in their best interest that you bring it to their intention making sure you have the repair versus replace conversation, and finally, making sure that you give a summary, you give recommendations, and you ask for the order every single time. See yourself doing that, and you will. Now, let's just review very quickly these six crucial conversations. Number one, you got to make sure and qualify your time. Number two, explain why it takes the time that it takes to do the job properly. Number three, Get permission to bring additional problems up to your homeowner. That way you don't seem pushy at the end. Number four, you got to have the repair versus replace conversation when and only when it's appropriate. Next, summarize your findings, make some recommendations, and ask for the damn order. You got to close the deal. At the very minimum, you have to ask. And last but not least, we got to have the right mindset to let our light shine. We got to communicate, engage, and build relationships with our homeowner. Well, folks, that's our show for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Six crucial conversations. You got to make sure your guys are having that. If you're a service technician, work on those questions, right? Work on those conversations. If you're the owner or manager, make sure you replay this conversation, this training for your service technicians. It's the only way to guarantee continued success throughout the fall season. That's our show. We'll see you next week. Until then, bye-bye for now.